Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at TCKpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. What up, TCK Potters? Sky back with you with another episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, a.k.a. TCK pod. This is episode 327 breaking down the Thursday night game, Saturday games, late Sunday slate and Monday night football. Lucas is actually unavailable this week, unfortunately, but no fear. Chris Benavides is here. Shouts out to my man for the commission crew. You hear Chris usually on Fridays, breaking down the TCK pod listener league recaps and previews. For those of you that maybe only listen to that podcast because you're in the league, now you get a special treat. Chris is with us for the late game slate. Chris, what's up, man? How are you? What's going on, brother? Yeah, happy to be on twice this week. It's uh, nice to obviously join you to break down some fantasy stats here. So, uh, yeah, let's get into it. We very much appreciate it, my man. So, per usual, we're going to break down the later game slates. That includes, again, Thursday, two Saturdays, the late games on Sunday, and we'll get into Monday Night Football as well. We will spare the pleasantries. We've had you on the podcast many, many times. You can go check out the commission crew on IG and Twitter at the commission FFP, go check them out. Make sure you get the playbook and all that fun stuff. I'll let Chris reintroduce himself at the very end, but let's get right into it, man. There's a lot to cover here. We got the chargers and the Raiders coming up on Thursday night football. This is a divisional matchup in the AFC West. Of course, the chargers coming in at a very disappointing and very surprising, frankly, four and nine, the Raiders above 500 at seven and six. The Raiders have, Scored 27 points per game. Quite impressive for the Chargers side, man. We're going to break this down here by team, of course, like we always do. For the Chargers side, we start with Justin Herbert. Can we trust Justin Herbert? He was a quarterback one from weeks two through nine, but on the last three weeks, he has been subpar and under a quarterback one, basically a middle QB two, unfortunately. That really coincided with Austin Eckler coming back. Since Eckler's come back, he's just not firing it deep. He doesn't have to. Mike Williams left the game early last week. Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, and Hunter Henry, all questionable for this game. Looks like every one of them will play, but do you have any hesitations with any of the Chargers going into this game against the Raiders? The Raiders are horrendous, giving up the nice ninth most fantasy points to quarterbacks, plus matchup all over the board, especially for Eckler. But are you worried about any of the Chargers in this game on Thursday night? Now, it is the semifinals of the fantasy football playoffs. So we have to start making some gambles. We're not sure if some guys like, let's say a John Brown, we're not sure if he's going to play for the bills on Sunday. So are you comfortable starting a guy like Mike Williams over him? Potentially we got to start making those decisions on the other side with the Raiders. Derek Carr has been the QB one and the QB five over the last two weeks. Very impressive QB eight, three weeks ago against the chiefs as well, playing very well. Josh Jacobs, of course, throwing out his, uh, his hoax uh, to the fantasy community, unfortunately. I'm sure there's mixed feelings about that across the industry. Nonetheless, still wasn't very good uh, um, performance. So if you happen to sit him because he said he was not going to play, didn't really blow up in your face. Thankfully, uh, Henry Ruggs is out for this game with the COVID IR. So that means Nelson Aguilar gets a bump. Austin, uh, excuse me, um, Darren Waller's automatic, of course, a tight end, but do you have maybe an upgrade for Hunter Renfro with Henry Ruggs out? Chris, we'll turn it over to you. Let's break down the Thursday night matchup, Chargers at Raiders. Yeah, dude. So kind of just to unpack a little bit of what you were just talking about, and I'll kind of reverse engineer this. We'll start back at Justin Herbert. I actually don't feel um, at all nervous about starting him uh, against the Raiders. They just fired their defensive coordinator, and I'm not quite sure as to where this defense stands, um, even from a gameplay standpoint. Uh, they're pretty much Swiss cheese against the run. So you were firing up Eckler anyways, but I think this ultimately helps out Herbert moving forward. Uh, any of those potential options to, you know, use the passing game, uh, you know, obviously leading through Keenan Allen. Uh, we'll also have Austin Eckler 
being able to provide some some comfort there along with the Hunter Henry. So look, I, I just think that this is a plus matchup across the board. You already talked about this for Justin Herbert. He's got a ton of weapons against an, a defense that is mostly in shambles and the person outside of the head coach just just got released. So I'm not quite sure I feel um, all that nervous starting Justin Herbert. On the flip side, though, I am a bit nervous for the Raiders going into this game. I know that they're favorites, but I do think this is more or less a pick'em game since the Chargers are going to be at Las Vegas. With no rugs, um, I'm not entirely sure how the receiving core is going to do. Not not that I was not that I'm banking on rugs to make a huge difference in this game, but overall, the the Chargers have been pretty stingy against wide receivers this year. So, uh, you know. I wasn't even with rugs in the game. I'm not quite sure I would have trusted even Renfro or rugs. Uh, you obviously have to fire up Waller, but Aguilar might've been the only guy I probably would have started in a flex position. All right, Josh Jacobs. I don't, if, if you were, if you were listening to the commish pod, uh, for those of you who are not tuned in yet about a year ago, this same exact situation happened to Eric with Josh Jacobs. We knew ahead of time that he hates he hates fantasy football. Like this dude just straight up hates fantasy football. If you listen to our intro on our pod, when Eric comes in and says, I need you to give a shit about our fantasy team, he's talking about Josh Jacobs because Josh Jacobs doesn't care about fantasy. He so so for him to do what he did last week is not a shocker to us. That being said, uh he also has that high ankle sprain and pretty much that's what he's coming back from an injury standpoint. When we spoke with Dr. Uh, uh, Edwin Poras. Edwin Porras, he basically said that this is not an injury that uh, is is something that is comfortable in coming back on. So I'm not necessarily sure Josh Jacobs is going to provide the most value moving forward for the rest of the playoffs. So couple that with he just doesn't give a shit about fantasy. I don't know that he really cares about coming in and producing for a team that, I don't know, is kind of on the fringe and they just lost their defensive coordinator. So that's kind of my thoughts on this game here. What are your thoughts? I agree. And, oh man, that is... Awesome. I have thought where I have thought about every time I hear that intro in your podcast, I always think about where are those snippets coming from? Yeah. You well, know? for that, yeah, for that one piece, that's exactly what Eric's talking about. He's pissed because Josh Jacobs basically gave the middle finger to people that played fantasy football, which is why, you know, it's basically what he was doing last week. Whereas like Keenan Allen, dude, he's like, and even Austin Eckler, dude, are like, they're your boys, dude. They, they want to perform yeah. well for fantasy owners. And they've mentioned that many times on their on their social media pages. So it's just the difference of two styles, but yeah, Josh Jacobs is kind of a dick. <laughs> that, that is very interesting. And that's some, that's some behind the scenes analysis uh, only available on the commission pod. That is excellent, man. I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up. That's interesting, man. Cause you know, I don't have Josh Jacobs shares because I was fading him preseason anyway, and I just went elsewhere. Um, but it, it is interesting when you bring fantasy into it, you know, Kenyon Drake in the early part of the season was like, don't worry, everybody that held on to me, I'm coming. Like, good for you for picking me up. Now it hasn't worked out really with Kenyon Drake, but at least he's into it. Austin Eckler is like the best with fantasy football. Like he sending is, yeah. out his videos, like hyping himself and getting into it. He's a big, uh, big proponent of the fantasy footballers. He's one of their intros. Um, he gave them a shout out on our thousandth episode and all that. So um, that's pretty awesome. But yeah, as far as the game goes, man, I totally agree. I am nervous about um Herbert just a little bit only because it is Thursday with all these guys kind of beat up. I'm not sure. That's true. also, also this is just kind of, uh, you know, thinking like the game behind the game, sometimes when coordinators get fired or head coaches get fired, depending on the relationship with the players. Now they're not performing as the Raiders, but the Raiders have never had a fucking good defense, frankly, like yeah. my whole life. But if the players like the guy and he gets fired, they kind of are down and it's a bummer and they'd have a funky attitude and it can get worse if they didn't like the guy and he gets fired and yeah, they actually like almost room. get hyped, you know, it's yeah. like, okay, now we're playing for somebody that we give a shit about. I don't know personally the way that it goes for the Raiders on defense, but either way, I mean, you're, you said Swiss cheese, they are absolutely Swiss cheese. And I think that the Chargers are going to carve them up. I'm just a little bit concerned about these injury reports. I want to monitor that going into Thursday night. And uh, as far as Joe, Josh Jacobs goes, it, it is what it is. It didn't bother me because I don't have the shares, but I definitely followed the the aftermath in general. I gave a, t uh, gave a take on that when I did my ballers and sellers um, on Monday. So you can flip back and hear that if you're interested. Okay, let's move into the Saturday games. So I just said that the Bills play on Sunday with John Brown as my example. I was wrong. They play on Saturday. I said they play on Sunday. They play on Saturday. We have two Saturday games. 
So this is the time of year we're going to start having a couple Saturday games. So make sure you pay attention to that. Also, originally, these games were switched. They actually had the uh, Carolina Green Bay as the morning game and Buffalo and Denver as the later game. The NFL has switched those. So we're going to start, Chris. Uh, and this might throw off the spreadsheet a little bit because I didn't have it this way on there. We're going to go with the Bills and the Broncos first. The Bills coming in at 10-3 and three behind your horse, Josh Allen. Huge game against the Pittsburgh Steelers last week. Broncos, four touchdowns from Drew Locke. Buffalo Bills have scored 28 uh, points per game this season. That's the most since 1991. Of course, that was in the middle of their four Super Bowl run. Now, they didn't win any of those uh, historically but still quite impressive to even get to four Super Bowls. Now, for the Buffalo Bills, you start Josh Allen, you start Diggs. I think you can fire up your boy Beasley as well as a flex. John Brown's the question mark. I mentioned he was activated off the IR, but questionable for this game. Do you have any faith in the backfield for the Bills? Singletary, Moss, Denver gives up the 14th most fantasy points to running backs, but frankly, the Bills aren't focusing on the run. It's usually first down run, maybe a play action, but Josh Allen is a beast on his own right. Now for Denver, Locke did have those three, uh, four touchdowns last week. Are you streaming him in super flex leagues, potentially against the Bills? Hamler had two touchdowns. Tim Patrick also scored, giving him a touchdown or 100 yards in four of the last five games. Can you start Melvin Gordon? He's had a max 17 touches over the last four weeks, and Lindsey is now healthy. Noah Fant got hurt early in the game and was out immediately and hasn't really been up to par this season anyway. So again, usually quite a bit of fantasy options with these two teams, but outside of Diggs and Allen, I'm not really excited about most of this game for fantasy purposes in my fantasy semis. Yeah, I agree with you, man. Um, just off the top here, the Denver Broncos just as a general like. Uh, team to watch have been incredibly underwhelming this season. Like I just haven't really enjoyed watching the Broncos play football. So um, off the rip, that doesn't excite me to want to even consider even playing people in this game, typically because they're just not scoring a ton on a weekly basis. Now I know that they had a good game last week, but yeah, that was Locke's best game of the year. I just don't see him having back-to-back matchups or, or performances like this. So the bills have actually on defense have been pretty good. The last few weeks, they've held Justin Herbert and Roethlisberger to uh, fewer than 18 points. Um, over the past uh, over the past couple of games here so I like the Bills to to keep uh, what I am going to consider their playoff form um, moving forward so uh, on the offensive side for the Bills uh, yeah like I think you got to obviously fire up Allen you have to fire up Beasley obviously Diggs dudes have been shredding it up the other guy in the receiving core that I wanted to touch on is Gabriel Davis Uh, if you're looking for a flex spot where like I don't know maybe you were playing like a Michael Gallup type of player I would slide Gabriel Davis into that slot, assuming John Brown doesn't come back. I think that's the caveat here. He's been sliding into that John Brown, excuse me, the John Brown role very nicely. And he's had three touchdowns over the past three games as a result of that. So there is the option for Gabriel Davis to consider, uh, to continue uh, with his sort of high TD upside, which is, you know, a nice place to be because Allen is finding him in the end zone. And to be fair, the opposing defenses have their hands filled or hands full trying to cover everybody else. And so Gabriel Davis tends to sneak him, sneak his way out of uh, the backfield or, or sort of where he is lined up. And, you know, for example, last game, he found himself on a double pump back of the end zone. and He was just right there for the catch. So Gabriel Davis, I like him if John Brown doesn't play. Uh, so on the flip side, I'm not in love with anybody on Denver. I'm just not. I, I think if you have other options, go for it. Um, I'm just, I don't know. I just, don't really find myself being attracted to, to wanting to start anybody in Denver. I agree. And the Pittsburgh Steelers got shut down by the bills last week. And obviously the, or not obviously maybe, but I think the Broncos offense is definitely inferior to what the Pittsburgh Steelers overall are, are bringing. And the Broncos do have more of a run game with, you know, again, Tim Patrick has scored again, or a hundred yards in four the last five games, but I'm not, confident he can get that done it's going to be interesting to see who Trey White gets because I'm not sure Judy is worthy of that so it could be Tim Patrick and that could definitely be an issue here all right I did want to make a mention on your Gabriel Davis take first of all love that you brought him up Lucas and I had covered him he was kind of one of our dark dark horses in this receiving class preseason um you know we didn't have super duper high hopes but just good to see kind of a under the radar guy come up in this extreme class uh, you mentioned it, but I do want to reiterate, I believe it's one or the other, though, with John Brown or Gabriel Davis. Now, John Brown's out. I do think Gabriel Davis is a nice flex play. 
Uh, but if John Brown plays, I'm not playing Gabriel Davis because, frankly, I think it's going to be one or the other. So I just want to touch agree. on that. Yep. All right, let's get into Carolina and Green Bay. This is the nightcap for the Saturday games. Carolina comes in at 4-9, Green Bay 10-3. and Green Bay 13-2, and including the playoffs since 2019. Of course, you know, Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau Field historically is pretty unstoppable. Let's go with Carolina first, though. No Christian McCaffrey, most likely. Technically, he's still, quote-unquote, questionable. But to Matt Rule's credit, as far as fantasy goes, they've been pretty honest with us. I think there's only one week I can remember during this whole CMC saga all year where it was like he might play and then was cut kind of last minute. They pretty much come out midweek and be like, look, he's just not ready. He's not playing, whatever. He's not playing. So you start Mike Davis, who was excellent last week, RB5 on the week. Robbie Anderson, I think, is a, is a go no matter who plays uh, for the rest of these pass catchers. You fire him up. He is the number one in Carolina right now. Curtis Samuel, I think, is also a flex position. And if DJ Moore plays, he can also be a flex as well. That would increase Teddy Bridgewater's opportunity, but a super flex only option for me personally. For Green Bay, you start Rodgers, Adams, Jones, and Tunyon. Any love for MVS, again, one of these Gabriel Davis, John Brown, Mike Williams, Michael Gallup kind of options. But if you're looking for a deep play, uh, maybe a second flex, a third wide receiver, you could do worse uh, against, uh, you could do worse than MVS at home versus Carolina with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, so this so this game's interesting. It kind of feels like a trap game, um, but I don't. I actually don't think it will be. Like it feels like it should be, but it, I don't think it will be. Um, and the reason really is because I don't really think that uh, Green Bay is going to have a hard time putting up points against Carolina. I know that's kind of like a, a shocker to say in a sense, but like Carolina is not a terrible defense um, when you kind of look at their stats over the course of the year on average and in our true strength, the schedule that we've done with you guys they're again, they're, they're about middle of the road. So like, it feels like they should be able to um, score points pretty, pretty easily against Carolina. But on the flip side, I don't actually know that Carolina is able to keep up on an offensive standpoint. Um, and so the only player that I actually feel really, really confident in for Carolina is Mike Davis, just given the, uh, you know, kind of the funnel based system that the Green Bay Packers defense allows to running backs. Outside of that, I don't know that I totally feel confident in DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Chris, Curtis Samuel. I could totally be wrong here. Obviously, there's been many occasions where, you know, these three have had great games and, when, you know, where maybe they shouldn't have and then vice versa, where they didn't have good games, e.g. the Atlanta Falcons game. And, uh, you know, it looked like they should have in a sense, right? So um, it just seems to me like this type of game um, doesn't bode well for the receiving core for Carolina. Green Bay has been extremely good against wide receivers uh, pretty much all season. I think they actually stack up in the top uh, top five or so against wide receivers, but yet they fall inside the bottom four against running backs. So that's why I feel good about Mike Davis moving in um, – uh, against uh, against Green Bay. On the flip side, Aaron Jones, this is a cake matchup for him. Um, I do think that across the board, uh, Carolina has been the weakest amongst like, you know, sort of their categorical breakdowns to, to running to running backs. And so I do think Aaron Jones has a nice sort of juicy matchup. Uh, and of course, you know, again, the, the receiving core, um, you obviously have to fire up Aaron Jones, Tunyon. I don't know about MVS. I really, it just, you'd have to put me your, your, your lineup in front of you for me to suggest play MVS. If you have other options that you feel better about, my gut says go with that option rather than MVS. Touching base on Aaron Jones quickly. Last week he played the Detroit Lions, who are basically like the other worst team in the league against the run. And in yeah. week two, Aaron Jones played the Lions in Green Bay, 18 rushes, 168 yards, four catches, 68 yards, three total touchdowns, 42 fantasy points. He was the number one running back on the week. Last week, however, against the same Lions in Detroit, 15 carries, 69 yards, just three targets, two catches for six yards, no touchdowns, eight fantasy points, RB26. Do you think that's a do you think that's a representation of a few things? The Green Bay offense, which is Aaron Rodgers first and foremost, and, and Devontae Adams playing out of his mind, or the Lions playing the Packers twice, making corrections, or Aaron Jones, frankly, just not quite being the Aaron Jones we want. He was injured for a couple weeks in the middle of the season, came back week nine versus the Niners, RB24, Jacksonville, RB23, Colts, RB11, Bears, RB21, Philadelphia. He was able to get over 148 yards and a couple scores. 
RB2, but again, last week, RB26. Are you concerned at all overall about Aaron Jones or you play the matchup, Carolina's terrible, the, the Packers are at home, they should run it up, you feel okay. I, for some, You mentioned a trap game. I don't think there's a chance in hell the Panthers beat the Packers. I right. could see this being Devontae Adams gets 150 yards and three touchdowns in the first half and they run the clock out or somehow the Panthers actually step up and make this a game, in which case that could potentially hurt Aaron Jones if he doesn't get going. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, you know, I think I think the the context of sort of this question is 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 all it always comes down to, you know, uh, you know, we're not suggesting sit Aaron Jones, but it's more about the confidence level of, you know, going into the semifinals with Aaron Jones. So, uh, yeah, it's possible, dude. Anything's possible. Like it's very possible that he could have, you know, sort of another game where he doesn't put up the Aaron Jones like numbers that we're sort of used to or come to expect. Although I, I just don't think that this kind of game is going to be like the game that we saw in Detroit. So in Detroit, they're playing indoors. They're playing, it was seemed like a more it's like a, kind of a slow paced game in a sense, like mm-hmm. green Bay scored every quarter, but they scored a, you know, they scored a touchdown every quarter until they, until the fourth quarter where they scored 10 points. It just didn't seem like they needed to rely on Aaron Jones all that much. And that you never really felt like the, the Packers had that game out of control. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like this game being in Green Bay, uh, they're gonna. I, my guess is they're gonna run the ball, uh, run the ball a lot more than just handing the ball fifteen times to Aaron Jones. So uh, yeah, so that's kind of that's how I see the game progressing. Got it. Let's move on to the Sunday slate. We're gonna start with the Jets and the Rams. The Jets coming in at a cool zero and thirteen, still in great position. Trevor Lawrence at the number one. The Rams coming in at nine and four, looking for not only the NFC West title, but also a a higher seed in the NFC overall. The Jets have the fewer than 20 points in nine games this year for the Jets. Not going to get it done, clearly. Now for the Jets, Chris, I'll make this quick and quick and easy. We do it pretty much every single week, especially against the Rams top defense. Is there anybody on the Jets that you can start? That's an honest question. Anybody on the Jets, you can start. The Rams are top five against QBs, running backs, and wide receivers. On the Rams side, maybe you fire up everybody. You start Cam Akers. We proved himself uh, last Thursday night against New England. Fantastic. He is the number one. Boom, you fire up Akers. Cup and Woods are automatic no matter what. Are you comfortable with Jared Goff? He's averaging 24 fantasy points at home this season, and the Jets give up the second most at the quarterback position. Seems like a lock, but Jared Goff is pretty inconsistent overall. And then Higby and Everett, I'm going to throw in there just because, but do you have any faith in one or the other if both are healthy? Yeah, dude. So when so when I looked at the slate of games that we we're going to cover today, I kind of actually spent a little bit more time on this one because I didn't want to overlook what seemed to be a very obvious game script right so the the jets are flying across country playing the rams the rams have i I don't know dude if you've been watching these games and anybody that's been watching these games the rams defense they look unstoppable right and so when you go into the playoffs it always you know everyone always says defense wins championships they look like the legitimate defensive championship or championship defense moving into the playoffs this season. i agree and i am i am calling it right now they're my dark horse championship Super Bowl champions moving forward. So until so, until an offense can prove to me that they're that they're going to lose or at least like handle the Rams in some capacity, I just don't see how this team's going to lose. So with that said, after looking at this a little bit harder, I think the answer is you don't start a single player on the Jets. Like I've looked at this, I tried to figure out ways in which you know you could start Crowder or or, or really anybody. I just don't see it. I don't know where they're going to get their momentum from or who it's going to come off of. Like what what player on that team is going to be better than the collection of like Jalen Ramsey and, you know, Aaron Donald and the rest of the, the rest of the squad over there. Like, I just don't know who's going to do it. So you sit all the jets uh, and just pray that no one dies, right? Like just pray you can maybe start up Crowder the next week. Like that would probably be your best bet on the Ram side. It's actually funny, dude, because the only question mark I have in this game is Jared Goff, not because he's not going to be able to produce, enough yards for the wide receivers, but because he really hasn't been throwing a lot of passing touchdowns, it's just kind of where you want to make your money for a QB. So he's the only iffy question mark, but I do think going against the jets, you probably want to start him unless you have like a Ryan Tannehill playing this week. Like if you have Ryan Tannehill, start Ryan Tannehill over Goff. That'd be sort of my, my suggestion. I agree. I think what's interesting about this and you mentioned game script, which is important to, to think about, 
Jared Goff had a season low 25 pass attempts last week against New England, and they handled the Patriots, unfortunately for our Patriots fan in the audience. But Russell Wilson also came out last week and had a season low in pass attempts and was pulled at the end of the third quarter. Like it didn't even wait for the fourth quarter because the Seahawks were running the Jets. Now, in week seven, eight, nine, I think the players still had a little bit of pride to like maybe try to eke out a win just because um, it is their career. It's their livelihood. They're embarrassed if they, they're still professionals. And pretty much everybody in the NFL was on a winner in high school, was on a winner in college at some level. So it's in their DNA to be successful. When you're on a team like the Jets, who your GM, your head coach don't give a shit about you and you're horrible, it hurts your ego. But at this point of the season, they only need to lose three more games and they lock up the number one pick and they can just move on from the season. I think that's kind of almost the goal at this point. Russell Wilson came out last week, throws four touchdowns immediately, like immediately. I was yep. playing him in one of my leagues and literally I'm watching red zone and it just like every like six minutes in real time, it's like Seahawks get the ball back. Russell Wilson, boom, touchdown to DK, boom, Chris Carson, boom, you know, just touchdowns constantly. I'm like, holy shit, dude, he's going to throw eight touchdowns this week. But then they pull him because it's just the game's out of hand. So right. I think this, like Jared Goff could potentially do the same thing. And if they're going to ride acres, it may not happen early, but in the second half, it could be all acres. I do yeah. like the receivers because they're going to get the work no matter what to run out the clock. But Jared Goff, I think you can start him if you need to stream and you're hurting, but I would go elsewhere just because I don't think the Jets are going to be able to compete and he could potentially just let you down in sheer volume. Russell Wilson threw four touchdowns last week, but he only had 200 yards. So it just kind of, it just kind of, you know, again, depends on the overall, uh, the overall opportunity there. I agree. I would just add one more thing too, uh, on the tight end side, I'd actually probably steer away from Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby uh, again, the game script is going to play out. It's going to end up being the can maker show again. Like they're, they're going to need to get him basically prepped for playoff playoff football. And, and this is the time to do it. So they're going to, they're going to give him the workload. I totally agree. Let's move on to the Philadelphia Eagles and Arizona Cardinals. Philly comes in at four, eight and one behind uh, Jalen hurts. Very, very impressive uh, game last week, getting the, the Eagles off the schneid there and proving himself as that starter for the Eagles. Quite impressive. And then the Cardinals come in at seven and six. They've been reeling lately, but uh, bounced back against the Giants last week. Hertz and Murray in a battle of dual threat Oklahoma quarterbacks. So they both played for the Sooners there. So that'll be fun to watch them. Kind of similar quarterbacks. Uh, Hertz doesn't have the wheels that Murray does, but certainly the shiftiness. For Philadelphia, we'll just start right away. Do you trust Hertz in week two? Uh, last week I was on this podcast and we've talked about Miles Sanders and I'm not going to get into last week again, because I've talked about it three different times. Everybody else in the industry has talked about it. Here's the deal. You were either, and Eric and I had a, had a, a battle on Twitter about this whole thing over the last fucking four days anyway. So you were either in the camp that I was, where it was, look, rookie quarterback, the Eagles are shitty. Miles Sanders is going to get his ass kicked. The Saints are amazing. Don't play him. Or you were like, yeah, but it's Miles Sanders. Maybe he'll at least break off an 82-yard touchdown, and the 33 <laughs> yards the rest of the game won't matter. Well, right. if you're on that team, you won. If you're on mine, you got kicked in the face. It is what it is. I would have made that call nine times out of 10. I stand by my take, whatever. But I also said, sit hurts. I also said, sit all the uh, wide receivers and tight ends. I was right across the board, except for an accidental Miles Sanders 82-yard touchdown. So going up against a much favorable matchup, Chris, are you comfortable with Jalen Hurts in single quarterback leagues? Are you streaming him over anybody? Who are you streaming him over? He had over 100 rushing yards last week on 18 carries. You love that. I mean, that's like vintage Cam, Lamar Jackson, Taysom Hill. That's up there. And he can throw the ball as well. Now, Miles Sanders, again, you got to fire him up. He proved himself. Boom. Although I'll tell you right now, I am not going to be shocked if he eats shit this week for no reason other than that's what he does. He beats good teams and doesn't do well against bad teams. I'll leave it at that. Any pass catchers in Philadelphia you're interested in, including the tight ends. On the Arizona side, you start Nuke. Do you trust Kyler right now? Again, not running as much, but running a little bit more. Had a better game against the Giants, but they're beat up. Do you trust them against uh, Philadelphia? And then Drake or Kirk? Do you trust anybody on this offense other than uh, mm -hmm. New Hopkins? I want to make a, a quick shout-out to a deep tight end play. Um, Dan Arnold is the tight end for the Cardinals. You don't hear about him much because he literally has like six targets over the last four weeks. Four of those are touchdowns, though. 
He has four touchdowns over the last four weeks. Philadelphia gives up the ninth most points to the tight end position. If you're very uh, desperate at the tight end position, I think you could do worse than my man Dan Arnold, who will probably only have one catch for four yards, but it could be a touchdown, and that wins you a week there at the tight end position. So Philadelphia, Arizona, Chris, take away. Uh, yeah, so I'll start with Philadelphia here. The Jalen Hurts play, um, it's, it's very interesting, right? Um, I'm gonna kind of I'm gonna kind of unpack it in a different in a different sense. Jalen Hurts comes across like a very confident man. If you ever seen any interviews with him, he almost kind of comes off a little smug, right? But it could also translate to I'm just confident in my abilities and like you know proper, like proper swag. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, he, he like he doesn't talk not not that Baker much. swag, but like proper yeah. swag. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, like like you don't see Jalen Hurts out there like you know banging the drums to the Phil Collins in the air tonight the way Baker Mayfield does, right? He kind of keeps his mouth shut, but when you ask him, he's going to tell you he's the best quarterback on the field, right? So that came through against the Saints. Like he was very very good. He had full command of the game, and when the pocket broke he easily kind of slipped out and that's where he got his rushing yards from. And it was almost like the saints were shocked that this was a thing that was, he was capable of. So I say all that because the Arizona Cardinals have really struggled with running quarterbacks over the past, let's say five or so games. Like they've, they've led a span of at least five players to have at least 35 rushing yards uh, that were quarterbacks. So this is a situation where, where Jalen hurts could actually have another great game and all of a sudden, the dude's got more confidence leading in to his first two starts in the NFL. So I actually like the start of playing Jalen Hurts. I'm not necessarily nervous with going with the rookie again if you absolutely need a desperate play. Like if you have like a Taysom Hill or, uh, I don't know, a, a Mike Glennon, like like I had to play right in a two in a super flex league, um, maybe start Jalen Hurts if you have him. I like that start this week. Um, that being said, I don't necessarily love all of the – weapons around him i mean i'd probably say start dallas goddard that seems to be a nice place to begin if you're gonna if you're gonna start with any of the production players and then look you have to you have to trust that miles sanders has got his flow back i mean the fact that you know they have that rpo going like i think that that's a good thing for miles sanders long term they didn't really have that with carson wentz and it's no shocker that he had his best game of the year you know more or less when wentz wasn't when wentz wasn't playing right so like and I, I'm going to talk about uh, about this a little bit. I'm assuming we'll cover the Cleveland game. Um, if you're in if you're in obvious running or obvious passing situations, it's very easy for the defense to know what's about to come. And that's pretty much what Miles Sanders felt like he was battling all year. And on top of that, Doug Peterson wasn't giving him the ball. So the fact that he was getting some of those uh, opportunities and also you know broke off some of those big plays was obviously very good against the team that, and everyone knows, is I think at this point the Saints hadn't let up a hundred yard rusher in any capacity. What the past two years is something that is like some crazy stat line like that, and they let up two in one game. So I like both plays here. Um, I'm probably fading the wide receivers if I can, and then I'll start Dallas Goddard for the Eagles. On the flip side. Look, the Arizona Cardinals, um, they're a weird team to figure out. Obviously, you got to start up Nuke Hopkins. I'll say this in the Kyla Murray side. Kyla Murray ran for 10 times uh, last week. That was uh, double what he's done in the past two weeks. So I think his injury, that shoulder injury, is probably uh, under the bridge in a sense, right? So, like, like look, anybody that's had um, upper body problems when you run, you can kind of feel it when you're running. So I think that's probably why he didn't run as much over the past couple of weeks. The fact that he did have, um, 10 rushing attempts last game probably shows that, uh, he's back to sort of normal form. So I wouldn't necessarily be too nervous about starting, uh, Kyla Murray. And then the running backs look, um, you're probably not in a position to sit Kenyon Drake. So I probably wouldn't, but the Eagles are pretty good against the, you know, they're, they're pretty good defense. Like they're good against the quarterback. They're good against the run. So, I wouldn't I, kind of in the Aaron Jones camp. Like I wouldn't expect a ton if that is what, if you're hoping for like miles uh, or sorry for Kenyon Drake to be your X factor, probably not going to happen. Let me give you a couple names. You tell me Jalen hurts or this quarterback. Okay. Ryan. Game. Okay. Jalen hurts uh, at Arizona or Ryan Tannehill versus the lions. Yeah. I'll take Tannehill who could give up 19 touchdowns to Derrick Henry. That's correct. That's that, that is correct. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think that, uh, look, even it's really interesting when Tan, when Derek Henry eats, so does Tannehill. Like he still plays well. Uh, he gets enough yards and he somehow squeaks out two touchdowns or so every game that Derek Henry gets two touchdowns. 
Yeah, that's kind of how I see it. You are the uh, AJ Brown uh, insider <laughs> for the for the for the TCK pod. You're the AJ yeah. Brown insider. Uh, full health this week. I, it looks like it. I mean, he had a great game last week. Um, so, and, and it's funny. I do have Tannehill in my home league as well. Fortunately, I couldn't get enough out of the two. But uh, yeah, it does seem like they're both fire starts this week. I wouldn't. I wouldn't worry so much about them. Jalen Hurts or Justin Herbert Thursday night against the Raiders. <sighs> you had to do it, huh? Let's, uh, <laughs> let's just say let's let's just say Herbert's got a full squad. Because yeah. if Herbert doesn't have a full squad, if Keenan Allen somehow misses this game, right. which he's questionable to play, if he misses this game, even against the Raiders, I personally am going to sit Justin Herbert. Let's say everybody's healthy, Herbert or Jalen Hurts. I'll probably take Hurts actually. I hate the Thursday night starts, dude. They, they just do don't make they, they don't make me feel very good. Uh, yeah, especially take, this I'll, time of year because it either makes her it, it feels like you have Cam Akers on Thursday night. You're like, I'm fucking ready to crush. Right. You go up <laughs> against Cam Akers. You're like, well, my week's fucked. Like I'm already yeah, done. You know, exactly. it's like, okay. Uh, a couple more here. Big Ben at Cincinnati. Mm. I'll, uh, I'll That's take a Monday nighter, by the way, stoked for that one. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, we'll get yeah, to that yeah. game in a minute. I'll take, I'll take. I'll take Big Ben. Okay. Sorry, Hurts. A uh, couple more here. Uh, we'll do them a little bit quicker here. Phillip Rivers versus Houston Texans. <laughs> Jesus. These are, these are plus matchups for these quarterbacks, too. Yep. Well, that's uh, why I'm asking because, look, here's yeah, the deal. This yeah. is why I'm asking. The hype is there for Jalen Hurts. This mm-hmm. happened with Taysom Hill. This happened with Tua. This happened with Herbert. It happened yep. with Burrow. It's going to continue to happen. And, look, I'm kind of on the Hurts train. I faded him last week against the Saints. And, again, I feel rightfully so. But – I'm 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 not totally on Miles Sanders yet, and I'll Eric and I can hash that out another time. Sure. I I will though. I will eat it on Jalen Hurts. He proved me that he can run the ball as effectively as he did, and he can obviously throw it. So I think there's going to be a lot of middling like start sits. Like these are streamer questions. I Look, know. if you don't yeah. have if you don't have Rodgers, Jackson, Allen, um, Wilson, Mahomes, Brady, Murray you know maybe Herbert if you throw him in there, Watson. You have any of these other guys, and you're like fuck. Like I got to yeah. start one of these guys and I've got three of them on my team. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, so, okay. Yeah. So, so in the midst, in the midst of that, uh, th- that sort of breakdown, I am actually going to take Hertz on this one. And it's primarily because Houston, according to the TCK and the commission, true strength, the schedule is the worst run defense in the league. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a JT game and a mm-hmm. Naheem Hines game. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily see a whole lot of Phillip rivers. Give me Hertz. Great breakdown. Two more rushing quarterbacks to be kind of equal playing field here. We'll start, of course, with Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill versus the Chiefs. Jalen Hurts at the Cardinals. Yeah, so the Chiefs actually haven't been playing that great on defense lately. Um, They've been actually kind of – I think they're ranked like 26th best defense in the league uh, over the past like five or six games or something. So um, the matchup there for Taysom Hill is looking a little bit better than normal, but I'm still going to go Hurts actually. Like the Chiefs, they're eventually going to have to find their sort of defensive identity at some point if they're going to hope to get a repeat in a championship because look, Mahomes is, uh, you know, Mahomes is Mahomes, but you know, dude's dude's, uh, coming up a little bit short sometimes. And obviously Miami had a great game against him. So yeah, I'll take, I'll take Hurts instead of Taysom Hill. I agree. Last one, Mitchell Trubisky versus the Vikings. Yeah, Mitch is Mitch has been pretty good, which is funny uh, to think about. Um, I'll take t- I'll still take Hertz. Uh, Mitch has to come back down to earth at some point. After the bye week in week eleven, the Bears made Mitch Trubisky the quarterback again at Green Bay. Quarterback six at De- or then Detroit quarterback twenty four. And then he was uh, quarterback seven last week. So Mitch okay. is definitely, definitely top 10 finishes. It's pretty good. Exactly. Definitely been getting it. Okay. We just did Jalen hurts or let's move on here. I like the breakdown, man. I, I again, I'm, I'm totally with you. Yeah. Uh, I think Jalen hurts is going to be real good for a long time. Okay, man, we have three more games left. Let's blaze through them. I think they're a little bit easier to break down here overall. So we'll start off with the Kansas city chiefs and the new Orleans saints game of the week for sure. Um, at least on the Sunday slate here, the Chiefs come in 12 and one Saints 10 and three. The Chiefs have won 10 straight road games, longest active streak. And Chris, to your point last year, they had arguably the worst, at least secondary, the worst defense in fantasy football for like the first eight games. Mm-hmm. They clicked. Yeah. They hit about this time of year. They ran the playoffs. They played the 49ers in the championship and we know what happened there, but their defense got good at the right time. We'll yep. see if they turn the page on this one. 
I think this one's pretty easy here. Is there anyone you're sitting in this matchup? So for the Chiefs, you start Mahomes, Hill, Kelsey. How do you feel about CEH? For the Saints, Kamara, 10 targets finally from Taysom Hill. That's all we needed to see. He's automatic again. Michael Thomas has been frustrating, but you got to fire him up. Taysom Hill we just talked about. And then there's a couple auxiliary guys for the Saints, Latavius Murray, Emmanuel Sanders, Jared Cook. So you start mm-hmm. your studs in this one, but yep. CEH, Murray, Sanders, and Cook, are you firing those up? Or do you trust any of them or all of them in your fantasy semis? Yeah, I'd probably I'd probably fire – it's going to be crazy. I'll probably fire up Murray if I have to, right? Um, and I think same for CEH. But here's the deal with CEH. I kind of broke this down on the commish pod a, a while back, but and this is because I have CEH, so I've been watching a lot of him. He's very game script dependent, which is why he's been so volatile. Um, and unfortunately, he hasn't really come to fruition like you would have hoped because you probably picked him in like the second round once we heard that uh, Williams wasn't playing this year. So that being said, uh, this could be a favorable game script for CEH, right? And so really what you need is, so CEH is going to get the first two reps out of the, you know, for, for offensive drives. And then it's basically, and it's kind of how I broke it down. It's basically a crap shoot from there, right? So if you have CEH, you're going to watch him first two reps. And then, and then it's however the game plays is how the chiefs are going to run their offense. And it may or may not include CEH, but I do think that with a lot of these sort of like make or uh, make or break plays that you've seen um, Mahomes run into, I, I feel like CEH is going to have to become more of a safety net for him. I know obviously Travis Kelsey is that, and that's the reason why he's like wide receiver three in the league. Um, but they're going to have to slow these games down and, and offer um, more of a, more of an option or, or I should say another look for these defenses moving forward, because they're obviously something's going on where, you know, like Mahomes shouldn't be throwing three picks, right? Like he shouldn't be making some of these mistakes that he's been making. And I do think that they're going to probably lean on CEH a little bit uh, more than they currently have been. They kind of have to, if they're going to make a deep run into the playoffs like this. So I'm, I guess I'm trying to be more optimistic than pessimistic with their, with his usage. But I think the bottom line here for CEH is that he's extremely game script dependent. If you can handle it and tough it out, he can probably get you a 12 point, floor and that might be enough out of your you know potential flex spot for uh for your team uh yeah so so i'll kind of leave it at that do you think there's any chance and i'm looking ahead a little bit but do you because because you know people are kind of tilting on ceh there was people who were like drafting him top five six seven when everyone was like holy shit he's going to be brian westbrook again i gotta Mm -hmm. draft him ahead of uh, you know, ahead of, uh, uh, well, Joe Mixon, and I know you and I have a, a beef on that. Um, but, you know, even even uh, Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, Miles Sanders, Austin Eckler, CH was ahead of most of those guys coming into the season. Is there any chance, Chris, that CEH could be last year's Damian Williams? And hear me out. Damian Williams, who, by the way, has not played a snap this year, sat out due to COVID, of course, to bring in Le'Veon Bell, blah, blah, blah. Damian Williams had 500 yards <laughs> going yeah. into the playoffs last year. He absolutely torched in two years in a row down the stretch. The games get colder. The defenses get better. They're not playing cake matchups. They're playing defensive teams. The Mm -hmm. Chiefs can't just fucking throw the ball, you know, 60-yard bombs the entire game. They have to rely on the running back. Do you think there's a chance that they rely on CEH, or is this going to be CEH, you know, Lev Bell, Williams, and just, you know, Kelsey and Kelsey and Hill. I, I guess I'm trying to yeah, yeah, I get stoke up CEH uh, managers that maybe the next two weeks could be a turning of the tide. Or do you think like, look, the Chiefs are throwing it all over the yard and they can do it against anybody. So why not keep doing it? Yeah, exactly. No. And I think that's kind of the, I think that's the point that I'm, I'm trying to, I'm also trying to peel this back with you. Like, and I feel like a lot of CEH owners feel this way. It's like, he's been, he's been under what he's like the DJ Moore of, of running backs, but like times two. Right. Like he's been extremely frustrating to watch all season because like the potential is there. And even when you watch him play, like he's incredibly shifty. Uh, he He's great with the ball. He seems to have good vision. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. They just don't throw him the ball. This is also kind of a correlation to and we did this. Um, we sort of did this prep work before the season started with tight end to running back target ratios. And basically, if the target is if the targets are being more geared towards tight end, then the running back is going to suffer in that category, and that's what you're seeing right now. Like Travis Kelsey is is basically scavenging a lot of points away from Ceh. Like I, don't, I remember on a few occasions, Travis Kelsey like mauled away touchdowns either from uh, you know a penalty that had happened when Ceh scored, and then the very next play that Kansas City had it went to Travis Kelsey, or just straight up like 
Travis Kelsey is the guy in this particular situation where in any other team, it would have went to the running back. So the point is, is that, yes, the from an optimistic standpoint, they need to get CEH more work. They have to work the running back position more into their game plan in order to maintain sort of this long, this long, term run in the short term, if that kind of makes sense. Will they do that? I have no idea. I think that's kind of the point that, are, that we're trying to make. Like they don't have to do it. They have the weapons on the offensive side to not have to do it. I would love to see him work CEH more into the game. Like, you know, like he sort of was last week and, and what he should do moving forward. So I'm optimistic. I think I, I would like to say that on average, he's going to get you a floor of about 12 points. But without the touchdown work, really, he he's he's kind of around that 12 to 15 max. Like I just, you know, if Kelsey, you know, broke his leg tomorrow, I think you probably see CEH being like more of like a 20 point range. But Travis Kelsey in that lineup is just not going to be a, a thing. What percent chance do you have that CEH runs for an 82 yard touchdown against the Saints this week? Probably zero. Like it's, you know, but then if you asked me last week, I would probably have said the same thing about Miles Sanders. So (laughs) absolutely. Let's move on, man. Two games left Sunday night football, the Browns coming off a crusher against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. They had it all the way till the end. And then of course uh, the dagger, Justin Tucker comes in and wins the game. Browns nine and four giants five and eight. They get a stinker against the Cardinals, but Daniel Jones is just not healthy. May not even start this game. Could be Colt McCoy again. Baker, Mayfield is seven and one versus non-divisional opponents this season, which means he is two and three against the Steelers, the Ravens and the Bengals as a group versus everybody else. He is seven and one. We'll start with the, with the uh, Browns who played very well um, against the Ravens. You start Chubb automatically. Do you feel automatic about Hunt as well, who actually outpaced Chubb last week in fantasy points, Baker Mayfield, question mark, Landry, question mark, Higgins, question mark. The only ones I'm like 100% again, uh, for in this game, like automatics, Nick Chubb for sure, and actually the Cleveland DST. And ironically, I feel better about Cleveland's DST if Daniel Jones plays hurt. Um, the Cardinals DST absolutely crushed last week. Six sacks, uh, yeah, they were awesome. turnovers, of course, so they were great. But um, do you feel good about uh, Hunt, Baker, Landry, and Higgins for the Browns? And then on the Giants side, look, Wayne Gallman's been getting sniped uh, you know, on his, on his touchdowns, he gets like 60 yard runs, takes a playoff and they score on the next um, play. We've seen that the last couple of weeks, but Wayne Gallman should be an RB two. You fire him up. If Jones plays, are there any pass catches you're comfortable with, including Evan Ingram? If it's Colt McCoy, do we just sit everybody except for Gallman on the giants? Yeah. So I'll start with the giants first and I'll work, I'll work the way back to the Browns. So yeah, I, I am a bit nervous with the, with the pass catchers um, for, for the giants, even moving forward. Uh, just not sure Colt McCoy is the guy to get them the ball as many times as you'd hope for. That being said, I'm pretty sure I, I, I saw this stat. Uh, Wayne Gallman's like the RB four on the season uh, from like, from like week seven on. So, you know, he's, he's basically, he's effectively an RB one. He's kind of like a James Robinson, you know, light in a sense. Right. But he's still a top, 12 uh, running back since week seven. So yeah, you got to fire him up. No, no questions asked even against the Cleveland Browns who are pretty good in general. So yeah, fire up Wayne Gallman, the Browns. Okay. So yeah, Nick Chubb's an automatic. Um, I'm going to say cream hunts an automatic. The giants defense pretty good. So this isn't necessarily like, like an absolute, um, like it looks kind of, an, it looks, it looks like an uneven matchup on paper, but it's really not. And it's, I would say it's more even than I think the, even the um, sort of the odds are, are giving the giants at this point. So the Cleveland Browns are, 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 you know, minus three and a half here. So, and they're playing in New York. So I don't necessarily like, I can see the giants pulling, pulling off like an upset victory here. Like this is not totally out of the question. It's mainly because the defense Ooh. for it's mainly because the, the giants defense is pretty good. Like they're not terrible. They're and, not. Yeah. And so, and so Fantasy for fantasy purposes, I'm gonna just bring this right back to Baker Mayfield. So, okay, Baker Mayfield's been pretty good, right? Um, over the past few games. The the Giants, though, have have been allowing just 17.6 fantasy points per uh, per game to the quarterback position. Like they're very good against the quarterback. So I know that Baker's been kind of hot and he had a great game, obviously. But that was kind of the game script that that game presented itself. And I'm not surprised that it was high scoring. I don't think this is going to be the same type of game um, for 
you know, for the Browns. I don't think this is going to be the same type of game script. So here, here's the only X factor that I'll say if, if Baker's going to have a good game. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be Nick Chubb. And the reason it's going to be Nick Chubb is because, well, I would say this. It's going to be Nick Chubb mainly because if Nick Chubb is, is having a good day, that means that the Browns won't be in obvious passing situations. I've kind of noticed that when Baker is in an obvious passing situation, the defense just gets on him. Like, and, and it's kind of easy for them to know when this, you know, what, when they're in a, an obvious passing situation. So if the game plays out where they're not in obvious passing situations, where Nick Chubb is getting sort of those five, you know, four or five yards per rushing attempt, and they can, they can mix in cream hunt. Who's obviously very aggressive through the, through the tackles then I think Baker Mayfield will have a better game than the 17.6 fantasy points that the Giants are leading or or, are allowing on average. If they don't, then yeah, it's going to be kind of a long day for Baker Mayfield. Although I do still think that the the running game for the Browns will be there uh, for, for fantasy owners, but yeah, Baker Mayfield, I think will be game script dependent, which is, which is not really the place I want to be with my quarterback going into the semis. I agree. How do you feel about the Giants side? Are you comfortable with them, whether Daniel Jones plays or not? Not really. No, uh, he might. I don't know. It's kind of hard to say, like he might do enough to give them the boost from a point standpoint in the game. I just don't like it from a fantasy standpoint. Not in love with the Evan Ingram play. Sterling Shepard really was nowhere to be found last week. So yeah, not feeling, not feeling the, uh, the talent on, uh, on the giants outside of Wayne Gallman, but Wayne Gallman might be enough. Like I know that the Browns, uh, front seven, are, they're very, very good. Um, but the, the giants offensive line is pretty good too. So might be enough. Yep, like, and they were, I'll just say this. Sorry. So not, not to, not to cut you off there. Let me, let me sort of put a, a caveat. The giants offensive line has gotten a lot better. I shouldn't say they're great or like they're very good, but they've gotten a lot better since like weirdly enough when Saquon was, was still on the team before he got hurt. Yep. And, uh, and the Ravens were able to move the ball at will. Now they have Lamar Jackson um, and Daniel Jones is never Lamar Jackson, but he is a mobile quarterback, but he's not mobile currently because he's got a hamstring issue from the Bengals game. Now he also has somewhat of a, a, a sprained ankle or an ankle twitch that's come up this week as well. So, if he does play, he's still immobile. Yep. And we saw the Cardinals just go ham on him last week. So I agree with you. I'm going to go with the Browns DST all day long. Sit the Giants if I can, except for Wayne Gallman. Last game of the day, man, and we'll get into our picks. Pittsburgh Steelers, Cincinnati Bengals, Monday Night Football. Now, we hear about the – now, the 49ers and the Cowboys were supposed to be Jimmy Garoppolo, George Kittle, all the defensive line, the running backs are healthy. We got Dak Prescott, the, the, the Cowboys are 14-2 and two or whatever. Well, none of that has come to fruition, clearly. The Niners and Cowboys are horrible. They were supposed to be the (laughs) Sunday night game this week. They got kicked out of the Sunday night game. Two of the most storied franchises in the NFL got kicked off of Sunday night football to make room for the the Browns and the Giants. Yikes. You got it. You got it. How, how else are you supposed to show those Baker Mayfield commercials at a premium? Yikes. I, Lucas is <laughs> loving it, but I'm not sure the rest of the country wants to see this game too much. Anyway, I digress. And actually Bobby is uh, Bobby um, is a Giants fan as well. So uh, stoked for him. Anyway, I'm sick. We'll get it. We'll get along. Great. <laughs> there, you, there you go. There you go. So the Steelers and Bengals Steelers come in at 11 2 Bengals 2 10 and one. We know the series. We know the story with both of these teams this year. Steelers have been reeling. We'll see what happens if they can bounce back. They have won 10 straight games against the lonely Cincinnati Bungles. I'm sure they'll be fine, but man, if there was ever a trap game, yikes. You think I, I don't it's think, this one, huh? Wow. No, no. Here, hold on, hold on, hold All on. Right. <laughs> don't, don't hear what I'm not saying, as they say. I don't think it's a trap game because I think the front four, the defensive line for the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to win this game. Period. Around that, I think the Bengals have a chance. <laughs> but really? I, think the de- I think the defense is just too big, and and they're gonna they're gonna be fine. Yeah. For Pittsburgh, you start Big Ben, you yep. start Juju. I'm sure you start Deontay uh, Johnson, but he leads the NFL with 12 drops. Yeah, not good. There's he also got, also benched, James. He got benched. There's also James Washington in a very deep league. Eric Ebron has the dropsies, but you got to play him against uh, the Bengals in general, but also the tight end position. James Conner is my question mark. How do you feel mm. about James Conner in this one? And then the DST is automatic, obviously. So really my two question marks are, are you confident in Deontay Johnson? Because he's probably your wide receiver too. And you're making decisions like, you know, uh, playing Deontay Johnson or let's say, I don't know, a Robert Woods 
um, you know, potentially. And that's not a decision that I want to make this week. Right. Yeah, sure. Um, so, you know, maybe a Jarvis Landry or, you know, somebody like that, Allen Robinson, whatever. Are you comfortable enough with Deontay Johnson with the fact that he straight up could get benched if he drops another pass or his, is his upside enough for you? I didn't even mention Chase Claypool, but I'm not quite confident in him anymore. So what are you doing with the Steelers offense? You start the DST automatically. And then like we did with the Jets, quite literally, Chris, can you start anybody for the Bengals? Yeah. So probably not on the Bengals. If you have someone on the Bengals, you were thinking long and hard, you know, for weeks now since Burrow has been out on whether or not you're going to start a Tyler Boyd or a T Higgins. Um, There is the occasional, you know, touchdown that one of them scores and it gives you sort of that nice cushion and floor, but like, are you going to take that chance with maybe some of your other options against the Steelers? Probably not. So I'm going to go ahead and tell everybody just to park it on the Bengals players this week. For the Steelers, yeah, the Deontay, the, the Deontay Johnson uh, problem here is a problem because you just don't know. Like, the, the, the idea of sitting a player is basically to reprimand them on a thing that they keep doing that you've told them about and they just can't seem to get it right in the game. But it's not to say that, like, Deontay Johnson's a bad wide receiver. Like, he's really not. And at one point he was a lock to play every week in the middle of the season. Like he was putting up somewhere between like 18 to 22 points a game, every game for like, I don't know, four or five games straight. And it was like, that's the kind of production you'd love to have out of a wide receiver too. And he was that guy. So uh, I don't think that it's like a, I don't think it's a, um, a lack of confidence in the, that the team has in Deontay Johnson. They just needed to reprimand him because he's not, he's not doing it well enough. Right. Uh but And I do think he's a talented player where he's going to get frustrated and start to make those plays because he knows that he's better than that. So if you have the option to play Deontay Johnson, it obviously depends on, you know, who you're going to start in place of that person. Like, so Sky, let me actually give you, uh, let me sort of fire this back towards you. I actually got this question on Instagram for the commission side and a guy wanted to know, are you in a, in a half point PPR, are you going to start in, in his flex spot, JK Dobbins, Deontay Johnson, or Jeff Wilson? It's like, that's the kind, these are the kinds of decisions that people are making in the semis. So what are your thoughts on that? If Raheem Mostert doesn't play against the Cowboys, I'm going to play Jeff Wilson as crazy as that sounds. Yeah, I know. And that's, that's, yeah. I said, I put that to the group chat here and I was like, what do you guys think? Just, just over the top, I'd probably go uh, JK Dobbins over that. Mm. And then, and then Deontay, and then Deontay Johnson. So either way, Deontay Johnson's third and Chris, not to, not to interrupt your take, but De, um, Deontay Johnson just he feels like a better player than he actually has been on paper yeah exactly. now he does he does have wide receiver six that's his PPR wide receiver six in week two wide receiver three in week seven wide receiver six and eight in weeks 10 and 11 other than that he's been let's see 45 119 103 94 31 32 12 and 60 yeah so he it, feels right. good because they target the shit out of him Mm-hmm. 10 13 15 10 11 16 13 12 but the yardage isn't there if he doesn't get 100 and actually he's only scored one two three four five total touchdowns so yep. his upside and big playability is there and it's sexy so when it happens it's like fuck yeah we know it's going to be there right but we've seen with every pittsburgh steelers receiver over the last 20 years with big ben nobody's antonio brown but anybody could be mike wallace for a week yeah or chase claypool when he scores four touchdowns but exactly. yeah you're right you're right. I agree with you. And so to be fair to the, you know, to kind of come full circle on this, when I did ask the team about Deontay Johnson, they all, they all were like, yeah, like I'm nervous about him getting benched this week. And also like, I would rather start like JK Dobbins. Like that was kind of the, 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 the play there. So while, while I am optimistic for Deontay Johnson, I'm really pulling for him because I do think he's a great player and I'm just going to be excited to watch him develop. Um, he does need to get the drops under control. And if he doesn't, it's not, it's obviously not a good situation. I, so I just don't know that you want to, I just don't know if you want to chance that in the semis. Like I'd probably go with the safer choice than Deontay Johnson. So yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of my take on that. And then James Conner, like, yeah, I mean, I think you have to play him assuming you don't have better options. Like that's kind of, he looks slow, dude. Like he looks bad. And I think, yeah, I think it's I a, it's not a Todd Gurley. Like he's injured and wearing down looks bad. I think like it could be straight up like a, a return from COVID kind of a sluggish Lamar Jackson said that he was sluggish coming back from COVID. Yeah. He mm-hmm. slept. They said it on the Monday night broadcast that Lamar Jackson slept for like 10 days or obviously exaggerating quite a bit, but slept for like 10 days after being diagnosed was sluggish in that first week. And look, 
James yeah. Conner will never be the athlete, half the athlete Lamar Jackson is. So if he's sluggish, like James Conner just looks slow right now. He was great at the beginning of the year. He's healthy as far as I know. So I don't think it's injuries like Todd Gurley type shit. He could snap out of it and it could mm-hmm. be this week in a plus matchup. Right. But he looks slow, like yeah. sluggish. And I just, he doesn't have the pop that I'm looking for on my running back. No, I, I agree with you. And I'd actually probably say they probably brought him back a week too early, just kind of knowing that he actually has like pre-existing conditions with, with the whole COVID situation. Yeah. Cancer um, survivor, of course. Right. Exactly. So like, I'm going to, I'm going to lean on the side of like, yeah, he looks slow, but I think it's probably because of an illness. Like even CEH set out that extra week because he had illness. Like we've all been there. Like whenever we're sick and every, I, the people that I've talked to that I know who have had COVID, they say, they say it's like the flu times three, like, it's just a really bad flu. And everybody that's gotten the flu knows that like you take a few days to get back to shape, like to get yep. back in form. So I can only imagine what it's like to be an NFL player, but the only way to do that is to get you back in the game. So like, I'm not surprised that he did look slow. And I think that's kind of what I'm gauging that sort of take off of is that like moving back into this game, which is a plus matchup for the team. I do see that, or I, I sh- you know, I, I'm, I'm hoping to see more James Conner early and often and, and actually get him, getting him more involved in the passing game, which is something that they're probably going to do, especially if Deontay Johnson's dropping balls. So I agree. Start Ben Juju and Ebron. Uh, yeah. And probably in the tight end situation. Yeah. I'd probably say start Ebron. Just Cause like, again, it's like a, it's like a barren wasteland um, unless you happen to grab the wide receiver three on the year. So yeah. Start Ebron. I agree. And just to wrap this game up quick and we'll get to your picks, Chris and get off. Um, other than the accidental blown coverage when two, you know, two defenders uh, for the Cleveland Browns came up to basically guard against Lamar Jackson, looking to run the game, run the ball at the end of the game on the fourth and five. He throws it over the top of him. Marquise Brown ends up walking into the touchdown. They win the game for the Ravens. Other than that play, outside of a couple catches from Mark Andrews, they were pretty much shut down in that game. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think necessarily that it's going to be it's going to be a great game necessarily for um the Pittsburgh uh or I'm sorry the um Cincinnati uh receivers there so other than the blown coverage and that bomb from Trace McSorley I think the Pittsburgh (laughs) Shields would be fine there right okay Chris so you are new to this episode but again you're not new to the program in general you listen to our pod uh you're you know family of the show we get it we break this down at the end of each week. All of us have our picks in already. We're waiting on you, man. We would love to throw you in on this. Obviously, we've been going since week three. So you're 100 picks behind us, literally, yep. overall. However, uh, we'll throw you in the last the next couple of weeks. You'll be covering them for Lucas down the stretch here. So let's throw you in, and we'll, uh, we'll do like percentage or something for you uh, by, by the end of the year just to see how you're doing. So we do this really easy. We're not going to get all your picks on the air right now, but we're just going to do the ones that we covered. Real simple, Chris. I'm going to give you both teams. You give me the winner. Rapid fire. Let's get it. Chargers at Raiders. Who you got? Uh, I'll take the Chargers. Chargers. I like it. I'm going to go with the Chargers as well. Carolina at Green Bay on Saturday. I'll take Green Bay. That's an easy one. I think all around Green Bay at home, I'll take them too. Buffalo at Denver. I'll take Buffalo. Buffalo on the road. Everybody against Denver every single week, except for Lucas. <laughs> Moving into the Sunday slate, we'll go with the Jets and Rams. This one's yeah. probably going to be close, but you're probably leaning the Rams. Yeah, I'm leaning the Rams. Yep. Rams by 60. I agree. Philadelphia at Arizona. I will take the Eagles. Ooh, Philly pick. I'm going to go with Philly as well. Uh, everyone else has got Arizona. Kansas yep. City at New Orleans. Game of the week. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take Kansas City. <clears throat> I am the Lone Ranger going with the Saints. I, just, I, I, I went for the Miami Dolphins last week, and I was close, but not quite. I think the Saints are a better put-together team. Yeah, they are. I think they, I think they could slow them down, and they could run it out. I'm going to go with the Saints in an upset. Browns at Giants Sunday Night Football. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take – uh, I'm going to take the Giants. Go with the Giants. I like it. Yep. At home. Now, caveat, we do allow those here, the the, the pre-mulligan. Give me the um, mulligan. Yeah, Maybe so I'll take Daniel, the Browns. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Daniel Jones, you go with the Giants. No Daniel Jones. Still going with the Giants? Yeah, no, I don't think I will, but that's the thing. <laughs> I'd rather take the Browns if, you there's, got no, if there's no Daniel Jones. So, uh, so yeah. every, week, every week of this podcast, I've picked the Falcons no matter what. <laughs> but but with the caveat now i've lost most of those obviously but it was like with the caveat of if julio doesn't play i go with the other team so that's kind of where i'm at 
Now, how does that score? Just to, just to, just for my understanding, like, should I just put in a lock no matter what? Like, I, I, I'd rather take. No, the I got you. I no, I got you. So we're assuming Daniel Jones plays. If he plays, you're going with the Giants. Okay. If he so does, you, if he doesn't play, your pick goes to the Browns. All right. So I'm allowed that caveat. Got it. All right. Yep. But Perfect. if he doesn't play, if if Colt McCoy wins the game, your pick mm-hmm. is the Browns, and you don't get the win. That's correct. Got you. Okay. Last one: Pittsburgh Steelers, Cincinnati Bengals. Monday Night Steelers. Football. Yeah. Take Give me the Steelers st- all day. Take the Steelers. All right. Chris, real quick, man, wrap it up. Let us know where we can find all your stuff. Appreciate you being on once again, my man. Yeah, yes, sir. And of course, uh, appreciate being on as always. Everyone go check us out over at the Commission Podcast on Apple, Google, and Spotify, wherever you get your, your podcasts from. Go check us out on our website, www.thecommissbrand.com. Go put your name and email address on the homepage uh, for sign for a sign up for the newsletter. It's the playbook. It comes out every Tuesday. Uh, we drop our, uh, you know, start sits, our injury breakdowns, news from around the league, weekly streamers, everything you kind of need to get your week started all on uh, uh, in, inside the newsletter. And then finally, on our social media handles, TikTok, Instagram, and on Twitter, at the Commish FFP. Go check them out, y'all. Gold Nuggets in that playbook. You can find the TCK pod on Instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK pod on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. Give us a five-star rating and review. We much appreciate that. Go give the commish crew some love as well. A like, a follow, a rating, a review, and a sign up in their playbook. We much appreciate it. Chris will be back on Friday to break down the TCK pod listener league recap of week 14 preview of week 15 in the semis bobby coming up tomorrow with the early game preview per usual chris we always appreciate you stepping on the podcast thanks for the pitch hit for lucas this week shouts out to the commission boys big up to the commission ffp brand overall for chris benavides and the entire commission ffp family i'm your host scott guasco and we are out of here thank you for listening to believe You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.